Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Welcome to Women on the Line, one of Community Radio's National Women's Current Affairs programs produced at 3CR Community Radio in Melbourne and broadcast on the Community Radio Network. I'm Marie Nord. The side wall of 3CR has been a beautiful and collaborative mural since I can remember. A new addition to the mural is Miss Safat's beautiful collaborative paste-up project. On today's show, I chat with Miss Safat about her activism and the politics of her art. Later, we hear a poem by the spectacular Mahogany L. Brown, who was in Melbourne for the Women of the World Festival. Miss Safar also pasted up a strong piece for Women of the World at Footscray Community Arts Centre. And now we hear from her. I call myself a street artist and a cultural activist. Um, I do, I'm a printmaker by trade, so I screen print stuff and do paste up on the streets. Why do I do it? Um, I don't know. My work, I guess, wasn't always political, uh, but it turned into, uh, I mean, just through throughout the years, my work became uh, increasingly political. Why do I do it? I think I do it because um, someone has to do something about the things I care about, which is discrimination against women in Saudi Arabia. And I do it because uh, I suffered from discrimination. Every woman in Saudi Arabia suffered against, uh, from discrimination, institutional and you know social discrimination as well. Um, so I thought my voice is, is important to add to the discourse. Um, the feminist discourse in Saudi Arabia. In terms of like political art, right? Um, what what draws you to that as a movement? I don't know why I art. I think it's the language I am. Um, I feel more at home with. It's something I do naturally that comes to me naturally. For example, writing and speaking <laughs> don't come to me naturally but once I start making art it just comes naturally it's the natural thing for me um, so I capitalize on it not like I capitalize in, in terms of um, trying to make it a voice that speaks for uh, against injustices it's also because it, my art is personally fueled and motivated it, it gives me an extra ammunition to um, talk about art and politics that I care about that I think are important in this day and age. Yeah, of course. And going from um, kind of the initial artwork that you were making that wasn't maybe necessarily overtly political, what was the kind of turning point for you when you decided actually this is this is this needs to be political and I'm going to actively do this? Yeah, well. Um, the, I and I was doing my honors at Sydney College of the Arts, and I was sponsored by the Saudi government, and they kept on asking me to prove that my male guardian is with me. 
So in Saudi Arabia, if you are sponsored by the government, you're, um, there's a condition that only applies to women, which, which states that um, a man has to be accompanying you, accompanying you um, until the end of your studies. And, of course, I do have three brothers, and they all would have loved to come and live with me, but they all have their own lives, and it's very inconvenient for me to ask them to come um, and just hang around with me until I finish my degree. So that's, that was a turning point for me. I, I, felt, I, felt, um, I felt less of a human. Why do I need a chaperone? I'm, I was 30 at the time, and I, I thought, well, this is really annoying. I've been independent for a long time and now you tell me that I have to have a man in my life to you know I don't know what they think we do without male guardians really <laughs> um so the type of art that you make is visual and it's quite it's it's beautiful first and foremost it's really beautiful and really touching walking past your work um firstly very clearly seeing the political message seeing the first image that I saw was the woman um, with the like kufia head wrap um, and then seeing the woman with the shaved side head and it was just stunning and visually beautiful <laughs> artworks that were also very intentional and I saw that in in the way that it was presented. How do you decide what exactly you're going to put up? How do you decide on the text? Um, I just want to um, know a little bit about the creative vision. Well, this is a very good question because um, this is not like when I make do murals on the street, it would be a collection of art that I've uh, collected over the years. It's not like something that I do on the spot. So I screen print and because when you screen print, you can mass produce stuff. So I mass, I don't want to call it mass production, but like I'm, I'm a human. So as humanly possible, I mass produce stuff. <laughs> So the one you, you're talking about, which is the very political one, I am my own guardian, um, I created that image in 2012, uh, and then I got in trouble for it last year with Saudi authorities. Um, and then the other two are a collaboration with Bolly Crab Apple, who's a New York-based artist, and um, she's an amazing illustrator. Um, and I asked her if she would... Um, the first one that has Al-Wilada uh, bint Al-Mu'ayyid's poetry on it the one with the shaved head um, uh, I made for the mural in Melbourne. And I asked Molly to add a text on it, and she picked a a poem by a very controversial feminist figure from uh, a really old era. I can't remember which era. And she, so she picked the text, and I, made, I asked her to handwrite the text herself so it's a little more personal. And my handwriting is really bad. So <laughs> so that's how I compiled this image, this artwork. Um, and the middle one is of Maria Malatebi, who is a, uh, a vocal feminist in Saudi Arabia. She's been vocal against guardianship laws. And she went to prison for her involvement in the campaign. Um, so for that wall at the side of the 3CR building, these are just a compilation of different images that um, I've, I've been doing throughout the years. But usually when I create one image, I create it in isolation of others. Yeah. And then I create a... The uh, murals for me are like a big collage, really. So I just bring all my work together and just put it on the wall and see what goes where. And Yeah, and it's all 
just by guessing. I don't. I almost never uh, plan uh, a mural beforehand. I just know which images should go on that wall, and then on the day I decide where they go. On community radio around Australia, you're listening to Women on the Line. Go to 3cr.org.au slash Women on the Line to download this week's program. Don't forget you can like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, or subscribe to us on iTunes. Well, male guardianship, um, the campaign against male guardianship uh, started last year after the Human Rights Watch the Human Rights Watch published a report called Boxed In, and that inspired a lot of Saudi women to create their own hashtag. So the Human Rights Watch, to disseminate the report online, they created a hashtag called uh, Together to End Male Guardianship. And, and then a few Saudi women organized and mobilized all online without ever meeting each other. They created groups and they got together online and... Uh, started a hashtag called Saudiyat Nutalib Ulaya, which translates to Saudi women demand an end to male guardianship laws. Um, so during this campaign, when it started last year, someone found my I am my own guardian image and started circulating it without my permission, of course. And that's how I got in trouble. And then I, I went online and um, kind of reclaimed my work i said please don't circulate my image without my permission without credit or attribution right um and and then this saudi man found found my account and then he he reported me to the ministry of interior he reported me to oh god who else he reported he reported me to, to a lot of authorities in um in saudi um so yeah, that's how I got in trouble for my image. And then all of a sudden, he kind of, I have to really thank him. hes I call him my troll. He, he trolled me for a while. And then while he was trolling me, because he had thousands and thousands of followers, he, he inadvertently kind of exposed my work and, <laughs> and me to a lot of people. And then I started getting a lot more followers <laughs> because of him. And I'm like, well, gee. <laughs> um, yeah, so... He kind of, like, it's a, I don't know, social media is a double-edged sword, but I think although he reported me and gave me a heart attack and gave my mom a heart attack and made me so scared for my life and for my family, I kind of have to thank him for my, you know, the exposure he gave my arms. (laughs) Women's on the line. (laughs) Oh, that was women on the line. Women on the line. I mean, it's, it's a well-known fact that our relationship with the with the with the West and especially America revolves around money and oil and arms deals, and you know it has to do with um, uh, economics mostly than politics. And because Saudi Arabia is you know the main the you know the main powerhouse in the region, you know politically and and economically as well, um, they they. They have for a long time. They wanted to keep us happy, um, and we trade deals with them. They give us arms, and we give them money, and we give them oil, and that's how this whole thing started. And they turn a blind eye to all of the human rights abuses, you know, and they don't really care, and they call it 
Well, it's your culture. No, it's not my culture. <laughs> it's not my culture that, or my religion that um, the government uh, oppresses every minority, whether political, religious, or uh, or sexual minority. It's not my culture. It's not my religion that you tell me that I have to sit in a car alone with a driver and I'm not allowed to drive. It's not. It's not my culture. I don't know what they're talking about. Mm. But every time anyone talks about Saudi, um, they go, oh, no, we'll just leave them alone because, you know, we can't really go there because we have too much to lose if we do. But they're happy to invade our, uh, Iraq and Afghanistan and all of these other poor countries, right? Of course. If it suits them. Of course. Yep. You're listening to a chat with artist, academic and activist Miss Safar who pasted up the beautiful new piece on the side of the 3CR building. This is Women on the Line. Yeah, I don't actually know how campaigning works in Saudi Arabia, because in Saudi, where any um, any political opposition or or any, any anything that is remotely against the government gets shut down, um, we don't really have a civil society. We don't have a non-governmental uh, institutions that you know support people. Um, it's all of the campaigning I do is cultural campaigning. It's not really political. It's never going to directly change or influence changing laws, right? So, I I think in the case of Saudi Arabia, um, when pressure is put on the government from um, a foreign entity or from a Western entity, they will change the laws. For example, um, during the London Olympics, uh, the 2012 London Olympics, when the International Olympics Committee uh, decided that they will ban all the the male team unless Saudi um, allows women to participate, they kept on stalling and they said, no, we're not going to send our women blah, 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 and then eventually when they saw that the um, uh, the IOC is serious, they eventually sent two women. So there are ways, I think, to pressure Saudi into changing laws, uh, but it just takes a really um, amazing leader or someone who has a lot of power and a vision who doesn't um, who's not a politician, <laughs> to put pressure on Saudi. It's not going to happen. I don't know. It doesn't seem like it's going to happen in my lifetime. I like, noticed, and I know this is a little bit negative, but I noticed um, when I was doing my research that part of your artwork in Melbourne was vandalised. Oh, yeah. There's the issue of women being present on the street. Our presence on the street can sometimes be... Um, threatening to men, especially in the graffiti scene or street art scene. I'm not a part of that subculture, right? So if I go to a wall, which is a legal wall, which I have the right to be there and paste my stuff up, um, it has pissed off some people in the neighborhood or not the neighborhood, the local graffiti artists, because it has always been a graffiti wall. That's what someone told me. I was complaining to someone about the wall, and then he said to me, well, it's always been a graffiti wall. I'm like, what? That doesn't give someone the right to come and vandalize it. Um, So 
women on the streets is an issue. We are never seen, especially Muslim women on the streets. Um, we are never seen, and if we are seen, we get challenged that way. So I feel like uh, the van, the vandal, um, the vandalized work. It's it's a comment on actually my presence and my uh, me being on the street and trying to alienate me from that subculture that I don't belong to. They're telling me you don't belong here. This is not your wall because it's always been a graffiti wall. So take your art somewhere else, right? So and then there's the the politics of my work. So <laughs> so let alone street art, even if my work, if so that's street art. But then there's the politics behind my work, and that would probably piss off other people, like the Saudi man who came to Hena Asafiri, the owner of the cafe, and told her he wasn't too happy about the representation of women of Saudi women on the wall. He wasn't happy that there is someone speaking up against the injustices that's happening in Saudi. And he comes with all his privilege and tells Hannah that this stuff on the wall should not be on the wall. So, yes, you're right. I don't know where where we are placed. Every time we try to take two steps forward and we... Um, uh, assert our presence and assert our voices and we speak for ourselves, our voices get either uh, taken away from us or challenged in a, in a way that's non-productive. Um, and you're doing a PhD on street art in the Middle East. Um, I just spent a bit of time in Egypt a few months. I just got back a little bit ago. Um, oh, and yeah. street art in Cairo is like next level. Some of the most yes. beautiful work that I've ever seen in my whole life, you know. Yeah. Um, and it's also, you know, more political than it is in Australia. Yeah. The thing is with Egypt, especially um, after the uh, 2010, 2011, 2012 Arab uprising, <laughs> the aftermath of it kind of marked a significant shift in the political and social landscape, right, in, in the Middle East. And the, um, the explosion, I hate that word, but the explosion of uh, street art during the uprisings was fascinating because it's... Um, you feel like people not only broke free of the psychological fear barrier that loomed over them for decades through politics, they've only done it. They've, all, they've also done it through art and through street art, and they've reclaimed their streets and their voices to themselves. So it's a really fascinating phenomenon, really. Um, and there was a lot of amazing and deeply personal and political street art that came out of that. Um, that era, um, yeah. So I think it's a, it's one of those things that fascinates me. All of the iconography they use and the language they use, and how it also shifted from the beginning of the uprisings to uh, from being um, like sl simple Arabic slogans to English slogans mm. to um, to now it's all elaborate. Uh, street art images and elaborate murals. So also the the, the shift that happened, uh, it kind of echoes how graffiti and street art started, right, in, in New York um, back in the day and how it all started with graffiti and tagging and slogans and uh, signatures and writing into images and street art, what we call street art. 
um, so yeah, it's 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 a very fascinating um, area. Yeah, I I think it's amazing that you're writing about this. I think it's amazing that you know. Because often, sometimes this is like, there is like outsider perspectives about what is, you know, what is fascinating about street art in the Middle East. But having a perspective like yours of a Muslim woman street artist who's living in Australia, who is, you know, Saudi, who is, you know, who is living this reality pretty much, I think is so (laughs) important and very exciting. I would really love to see more Muslim women on the street doing street art. Um, and that's why when I collaborate with women, I, I I do collaborate with big names, right? But I also try to see who's in the community, who is who might not have the platform I have, and reach out to people who have talent or want to say something and don't know how to do it. So that's how I kind of try to empower. I hate that word again, empower, <laughs> but um, try to. Not empower, maybe upskill women or the younger generation to uh, be more proactive in the art scene and be more, uh, more vocal and more expressive and all of that. So I'd love to see more art on the streets of Australia done by Muslim women or women of color and diverse women in general. It's mostly the streets, the street art in in Australia here is mostly. Um, done by white men, mm. or you know, it's a it's a very white male scene, which is really boring sometimes. That was artist, academic, and activist Miss Safar, ending on the importance of Muslim women and other women of colour making art. Now we hear a beautiful poem by Mahogany L. Brown called "Redbone Shames the Devil." Mahogany was in Melbourne for the Women of the World Festival at the Footscray Community Arts Centre. Please note, this piece contains some references to domestic violence. If you need someone to talk to, please call Lifeline on 13 11 14 or 1800 RESPECT on 1800 737 732. Sometimes, sometimes you ain't to love up on nobody like that. Sometimes it's too hard on the bones and only your own self know what you can do with the weight of it all. Only you know what you can take. Everybody told me what to do when it came to bam. Told me let them go. Told me leave them alone. Told me take my kids and pregnant self back down to the valley like there wasn't a man waiting to pull my skin away from my scalp there too. I tell them no. My eyes all heavy from the sleep I ain't got and my back on fire from the baby trying to break free from my spot. And I tell him, no, we're going to make this family make sense. But what I really want to say is we're going to fall into the night like we fell into each other and it won't hurt no more. Because I hurt when we ain't together. I hurt because it reminds me of my daddy, how he made my mama cry, how her tears carried me to sleep on nights I forgot to close the door when we ain't together. I'm reminded that I'm broken, that my heart ain't got no locks because it ain't got no doors. You see, they took away my doors when I was only a baby. Hell, don't nobody want to hear about a baby girl at the missing door. Shit, that sounds too much like blaming. I'm tired of how my fingers bend and all I want is for some reason to stay put. All I want is for something that stays mine. My first husband got a mean space between his chest. He took my first and second born out of spite. He a spiteful man. 
They grow in my belly, burn my heart with pride, crush my smile into pieces when they cried. They was mine. He was never mine. He showed me that truth after he ran around town in love with the newer and younger me. My big old belly was just reason enough for him to cheat the first time. So by the time I got me a man who make me feel like I got doors on my everything, like I got a key, like I control the movement in my body. I ain't care too much that he cheat too. My first husband got me used to a bed smelling like things that wasn't mine. I got so used to it by the time I met Bam, I was happy someone wanted to fight for me. I was happy even if the only person he fought was me. Every bruise and throat clinch, every push we credit into the mattress spread through my body, warm, glow, bright and match my hair and the, the gap in my teeth and it keep him coming back, telling me sweet things now. I don't start no mess, but I'm not running to the valley neither. Besides, he say he gonna fight the world for what's his. I am his, and he is mine, and we got this baby too. You can't tell me that ain't love. You can tell me anything but that. Women on the Line is one of Community Radio's National Women's Cone Affairs programs. It's produced and presented by a range of women broadcasters from 3CR in Melbourne and broadcast nationally on the Community Radio Network. We greatly appreciate the financial support of the Community Broadcasting Foundation. We welcome your comments or thoughts on today's show, so send us an email at womenontheline at gmail.com. Women on the Line programs can also be downloaded from our website, 3cr.org.au slash womenontheline. The theme music for Women on the Line is Slideshow at Free University by Le Tigre. And the feature song for today's show is called Kufia by Shadia Mansour. Thank you for listening to Women on the Line. I'm Marija Nord and I hope you can tune in again next time. <laughs> Hey, Kilbis, Nanko, Fee, and Beda with Soda, Saro, Clevis.